Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Good morning. I'm certainly glad to have the opportunity to come and share the word with you today. Um, It's been five years since I've preached, and let me tell you, it is not like riding a bike. Um, You go through this whole phase of, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? Yeah, I think I should be doing this. Why am I doing this? I have no clue why I'm doing this. And so it's really good to get an opportunity to share because it it only helps me learn to preach the word better. Um, Tim Keller, if you know him, he spoke to a few, um, or spoke to seminary graduates one time, and he told them that it doesn't matter how long you prepare, how much you pray, how much you know, your first 200 sermons are going to be terrible. And so his advice was just to preach as much as you can. And so, Kent, I really thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm at, I think, 50, so this will be Terrible Sermon 51. So I, I appreciate you all giving me the time to talk about it today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Revelation is one of those books that, if you know anything about it, it's probably one of the hardest books as a whole to understand, um, but it's one of the easiest to find in your Bibles because it's at the very end. And so if you'll go ahead and turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And just, just a brief side note, I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, I work at Lifeway, and I'm a Bible editor. Um, and so what happens is I, look, I help move projects forward to get from a Word document to print. Um, I usually tell people that, and they look at me like, you're in... You're editing God's word? You're, you change it? What are you doing? I said, no, 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 no. It's anytime we add content to it, study notes, book introductions, that's the kind of thing I'm trying to make sure we get correct, but then also make sure we're not introducing errors into the Bible. And so I'm preaching from the Christian Standard Bible because that's the translation I work with daily at my job. Um, it's also the translation that I have to use because life will fire me if I don't. Um, <laughs> So please look at with me to Revelation chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. In in the context, this is Jesus speaking to the Apostle John. Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, 
which I also hate. Let anyone has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise. Fun stuff today, huh? Very encouraging. Uh, we take a minute with me to pray? Father, I just ask now that the words that I've worked on this week and the study that I've done will first and foremost be pleasing to you, that I will not go beyond what is written, that I will not say anything that contradicts your word. And then I also ask that that word will go forth as you've promised and will encourage, will build up, will rebuke, whatever it needs to do, Father, through your spirit, I ask you will use your word today through me. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay, so if you were in Nashville and you were walking down the street and you just started up going up to random strangers and asking them, what's wrong with churches in America today? I imagine you would get quite a few responses. Probably one common one you'll get is they'll look at you for a second and be like, why are you talking to me? And walk off. Um, Some people are just not interested in that. Um, Others, you might catch one person who's been offended by the church, who's been hurt by the church, and you'll probably get a 10-minute lecture, a 10-minute mini-sermon on what's wrong with the church. But I have a feeling that if you were to put all the responses together, there would probably be a common thread amongst a lot of them. And it's that churches are not loving. They're not accepting. Now, their definition of love might be different than how God defines love of the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable. Let me repeat that again. Is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, for some churches that you've been in, this may be an unfair criticism. You know these churches are churches that try to show the love of Jesus to others. But there are some that, for whatever reason, that gets lost. And I find it interesting, though, that oftentimes, one of the most common criticisms of Christianity today, that skeptics, that non-believers throw at us, is the very criticism that Jesus gave to the church in Ephesus. There's something in common there. Just to give you a little bit of background about the church of Ephesus, it started out very strong. You can read about it in the book of Acts, chapter 19. And there were so many, Christian, or so many people that decided to give up worshiping many gods to serve and worship Jesus after Paul had preached that it really got under the skin of the local businessmen there. There was one silversmith named Demetrius that said, look, this guy Paul is teaching people to, follow, uh, to deny our gods and follow after this Jesus. And not even that, forget that he's telling us to reject our religious convictions 
but we're not profiting off this anymore. No one's buying my idols because they're not following our gods anymore. And so he started a riot. And yet these Christians, these people that became Christian in Ephesus, they gave away everything they knew to follow Jesus. They burnt their books of magic. Now, this is not Harry Potter. This is not going around. They're not going around shooting fire out their wands and riding a, a broom. Magic in the Bible usually has to do with three things. Um, people trying to predict the future, doing acts to try to understand the future, trying to speak to the dead, and trying to control evil spirits. And so they're giving this up, and it's hurting the local economy. And so they're willing to sacrifice and be ridiculed and even persecuted for their faith. But somewhere along the way, they lost something. And I think that's what we need to look at today. I think we'll see from this passage that our church, if we continue to want to serve Jesus, we need to make sure we don't lose love. Jesus both taught the truth he received from the Father and he endured hardships for our sakes because he loved us. So a church with truth and endurance but without love is a church that displeases Jesus. Let me put that more concretely. If Hope Fellowship loves the truth, loves to defend the truth, loves to stand up for the truth, and is willing to do anything to give up their livelihoods, to give up, to be rejected by family, if we're willing to do all that, and we do not have love, we are a church that is still failing at the mission Jesus has called us to do. So look with me again at verses 2 through 3 and verse 6. Obviously, from these verses, we see that truth and endurance, they are keys to a spiritually healthy church. Again, he says, You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. And I know you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. Yet you do have this, you hate the practices of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So obviously for Jesus, these things are important. It's not to say we should not focus on the truth. We should just forget about it. We should just, just love everybody and we don't, don't worry about telling the truth. That's not what Jesus is saying. And I don't want you to hear me say that. I want to make it very clear that that's not what Jesus is saying. I do want to make sure that we do understand, too, what it means when the Bible talks about truth. Um, we can all talk, define, give different definitions of truth. Um, two plus two is four. That's a truth. Um, George Washington is the first president of the United States. That's a truth. But it's not saying that. He's not saying holding fast to the truth means that. In the New Testament, it often means to devote yourselves to hold fast to the apostles' teaching. And more briefly, we could say that it means to hold fast to the gospel. The Ephesian Christians knew the truth so well, they were able to spot a fake apostle spreading a fake gospel. They knew that Jesus is king because of his death, his resurrection, his ascension, 
to the right hand of the Father. And they knew that Jesus had defeated sin, death, and the devil so that we may be forgiven of our sins, we may have eternal life, and that we could defeat the devil. So anything else presented as the gospel truth were lies. So that means for us, part of growing up as a Christian, it first means we need to be able to to, um, spot fake gospels in our culture from the true gospel. And the only way you can do that, the best way, is to know the true gospel. When I was in college during the summers, one of the ways I helped make money was to work at a bank. And I learned very quickly, you do not learn to speak, or you do not learn to spot a counterfeit bill by thinking and looking at counterfeit money. The quickest and best way you can learn how to spot a counterfeit bill is to know the real money and what it looks like, what it feels like, how, it, how much does it weigh, and just over and over, the more I learned and handled money back and forth between customers, the better I just intuitively could feel and know if something was a fake. And so that's why at Hope we do stress Bible study. We, inst- we stress being in the Word so that we make sure we understand the truth and know it well and know what it means when we say words like the gospel and what that means, that Jesus died for us and that he's coming again one day to rule and to reign and that we have a challenge to either repent and follow him or reject him. And that also means learning to spot the, learning to know the truth. It does mean that we also, it requires us to speak the truth. I like my dentist here in the office, or I like my dentist office here in Smyrna. Um, out of all the dentists I've been at, we've lived in Birmingham, Alabama, Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, I think this one's my favorite that we go here in Smyrna. But I absolutely hate that dentists need to exist in the first place. If you've ever had a toothache, it's ridiculous. And when you go to the dentist, they x-ray your teeth, and you think everything's okay. I don't have any pain, so yeah, don't, don't tell me anything's wrong. But they'll spot, oh, there's a little cavity on this tooth, and oh, well, this one's a little loose, or this one's shifted over a little bit. You need to get that fixed because it'll cause problems later down the road. But here's the thing. I go to the dentist not to hear what I want to hear, but to hear what I need to hear. And so a dentist could decide, oh, well, oh, gosh, they've got, a, they've got three cavities here. I don't, that's going to upset their day. They're not going to be happy about that. It's going to be awkward for me to share that with them. I'm just, I'm not going to worry about that. That's not what I go to the dentist for. I, I go to the dentist for that awkward conversation of, how much are you brushing a day? Do you, do you use floss, Mr. Curtis? Mouthwash? Anything? (laughs) So we go to the dentist to hear what we need to make our teeth healthy. And so not only do we need to learn the truth, but as God's representatives and being on mission, we have to share that truth. It means we point to people, to Jesus, that their deepest problems and longings are ultimately a broken relationship with God that only Jesus can fix. We must tell the truth, even if that means to endure ridicule, slander, 
anger from the people we are sharing. So that means that truth and endurance and suffering hardships for that, they are important as a church to hold to. But Jesus makes it clear it's not the only thing. If you're doing those two things right, you can still be displeasing Jesus. That brings me to my second point. A church must also live or must also love like Jesus to be spiritually healthy. Look again at verse four. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And then later in verse five, he says, if they don't change, otherwise I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. If you look in Revelation chapter one, John's already identified what the lampstands are, and that's the church. Jesus is saying, if you don't get this right, I'm going to remove your church. That's encouraging. That makes me so concerned for any church that's not showing love. I mean, I look at Ephesus, and Ephesus, a church that is willing to suffer for Jesus and is holding fast to the truth. I think, man, they're doing everything right. And Jesus is saying, no, and I will remove that church. I will no longer be present with that church if they don't love. And it's hard to know exactly what, what is going on with the Ephesians and why they, they were falling or why they were failing to love one another in the first place. I mean, perhaps they had fought so many false teachers that it just simply became easier to reject any new Christian that came in because they just were suspicious of them. They distrusted. It's like, I don't know about that person. They look kind of shady. And, you know, remember the last time we let someone come to church and we opened our arms with them, we showed them love? Well, that, you know, they started teaching that you know, Jesus was a, a planet that should be flying around in the earth and that, you know, we, you know just weird things. So we're just, we're just not going to, we're just going to just say, no, you know, we're, we're full. Don't, you know, we're glad you wanted to come, but don't come here. Or perhaps they were just so busy protecting the truth of God's word and so caught up in enduring the truth. It is understandable that they may have just simply neglected and forgotten that they needed to watch out the needs for the needs of others. And so Jesus calls them to renew their work of love. Now here's the potential danger again um, with love. We could probably come up with a thousand definitions of love. And our greatest, my greatest concern is when we read a passage like this, we start with how we commonly define love today, and we don't actually listen to how God defines it in his word. And so let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. This was another letter that the Apostle John wrote, and it doesn't say to the Ephesians, but a lot of Bible scholars today believe it was actually written to the church of Ephesus. And they believe that the Apostle John's ministry base is in the church of Ephesus. And so in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, he says this, Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. 
So for John, love was God sending Jesus' son to die for us. Another well-known verse, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Love is ultimately looking at someone in need. And no matter what cost to yourself, you go out and you serve that person and you love that person. Jesus gave up his throne in heaven and came down to die for us. And if he did that, for our benefit, selflessly, not worrying about his own uh, rights, his own feelings, his own needs, but for us, there really aren't any acts of love that God couldn't ask us to do. The motivation of Christian love, of love that's centered on Jesus, isn't what I can get out of the relationship. But how can I serve and build you up? This is why we say you can't love Jesus and hate his church. If you love and follow Jesus and are a member of Hope Fellowship, but you don't like us, there are people, there are Christians that you don't have anything to do with, maybe you don't love Jesus like you think you do. If you aren't committed to a local church, you don't have to, you know, if you're a visitor and you're part of another church, that's great. Um, but if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, and you're not committed, you've not committed yourself to a local church somewhere, then maybe you aren't committed to Jesus. In 1 John, again, the Apostle John says, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, meaning they don't do anything for them in need, he's a liar. You can't love someone you don't spend time with. You can't love someone if you don't know their needs. So we've seen that truth and love are important keys for Hope Fellowship, to be spiritually healthy. And But we've also seen that a church can't lack the love of Jesus we can hold fast to the truth and endure suffering for Jesus' sake and still be spiritually unhealthy. We must make sure that we are also, we are a church that focuses on others, that is other-centered if we want to be a church of love. Finally, Hope Fellowship then shows love like Jesus when we prioritize the needs of others over ourselves. Look back at verse 5. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you have done before. So Jesus says, okay, you want to get back on track? Here's how you do it. Here's the practical application. Here's your three steps you should take away from this. You need to remember how you have, how you have fallen. You need to repent. And you need to repeat the works of love you did before. First, Remembering how far we have fallen. We can only do that when we look to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate example of other-centered love. And we just talked about this. He showed perfect love by sharing the truth of our sin and the need of his grace by enduring the cross for our sakes. He gave me perfect love so that I could be 
forgiven. He repaired the most important relationship of love any of us can have is our relationship with God. So in remembering that, we remember when we don't love like we should, that's the standard that we're up against. And so when we fail at that, we do the next step. We repent. We realize that apart from grace, we can't love one another. It's not something that we're born with innately to do. We're born innately because of our sin, to look out for number one, to focus on my needs, to focus on my wants, to focus on what I want to do. Repenting then requires us to ask God to forgive us of that selfish love, not because we think that's the way we're going to gain love. If we've been forgiven, God's already given us love and acceptance to us through Christ. But we do it out of gratitude for that love. That's why we must remember Christ's love. We must remember what he has done for us and then that empowers us to do what we should do for him. And so we remember how far we have fallen, we repent, and then we repeat works of love. Because I know that Jesus shows me his selfless love in the cross, Now I know no matter what happens in this life, I do not have to be afraid of never having love ever again. I don't have to worry about myself and seek out my well-being because I know the God of the universe is doing that for me. So that gives me a freedom to then not to turn away from myself, to know I am taken care of. And then I can then serve others, not from what I get from them, because I already have everything in Christ but what I can then give to them because of what Christ has done for me. Jesus' love saves me, delivers me from my sin, and it empowers me to love others. So then what does that look like practically for our church? What are ways we can show other-focused love to people in our church and outside of our church? Well, outside of our church, we can speak the truth in love. And we've talked already about that. That requires knowing the truth, having that deeply rooted and embedded in us. But it also means we need to stop being irritable, angry, and fearful people. If we are demeaning and ridiculing people we disagree with on social media, maybe we should stop. Maybe we should pull the plug, disconnect, log out, delete that app because we are losing our credibility with people that need it, that need to hear the truth, that need to see, no, we actually truly love them and we want what's best for them. And if because we believe what God says is in his word, the best thing for them is to look to Jesus, to have that relationship to God the Father repaired so that they can then live lives of selfless love. Within our church, then, we can also, one of the easiest things to do is just go talk to Pastor Kent or one of the leaders. Ask them, what are some needs in our church that need to be met that haven't been met yet? Kent 
and our leadership, they can't possibly know every person's giftedness and every person's enjoyments and how you like to serve others and how best you can do that. And so there may even be in a ministry that right now we don't even know about that needs to happen. But we don't know that because maybe you haven't talked to someone about it. But let me give you a few more practical steps about what it would look like if Hope Fellowship, out of gratitude for the selfless love we've received for Jesus, then goes and, and focuses on other-centered love as well. First one's easy. You hear us talk about this all the time. We pray. Pray for Pastor Kent as he leads our church. When you hear pastors talk about the way they <laughs> care and shepherd their congregations, it's a great burden to have to deal with. And at times it puts them in conflict with their family, puts them in conflict with their friends, and it simply can be so hard to navigate. And on top of that, he's got one, somebody called the devil that really doesn't want him to do his job well. And he has that spiritual battle daily to have to fight to remember the love that God has given him in Christ and to share that with others in all that he does for this church. Pray for our staff. Pray for one another. Pray for our future. Kent's already talked about how we can't keep going on meeting in this church because we have a timeline that we have to be out in a few years. So we can pray. Obviously, we can give. That's an easy one. Um, but that means more than just money. It can mean money. If you've been blessed and want to help the church financially, you can certainly do that. But it can also mean time. Sometimes a fellow believer, all they need is for you to just sit down and listen to their struggles. And that might be hard sometimes when you come home and all you want to do is just sit in your recliner because your boss has yelled at you or something didn't go right at work. You put the Bible index tabs, you marked them to put in the wrong place. And so now no one's going to buy that index Bible because, you know, it's off a few pages. That never happened to me. <laughs> you can volunteer in our ministries. And Kent's already asked you to do that. And we know people have, have done that, have helped in our kids' ministry. We need help with teardown and nurse, or set up and nurse, or teardown. First impressions, having someone greeting you at the door, it at least shows to a new, or a new visitor, well, someone actually thought about having someone out there because they actually care about visitors coming. And so that can be incredibly encouraging for a new visitor to know that someone's out there greeting them to help show them where they need to go. So they have kids, oh, come here. Here's where you you know, sign in your kids and, and walk them through all that. And finally, just being alert. This week, instead of being so bogged down in what's worrying you and what's concerning you this week, be alert to someone that you might see that's in need. Someone that might be hurting. Someone that might need someone just to sit down and talk to and pray with. And so we can pray, give, volunteer, and be alert. In just a moment, Kent will come to offer a time of response. We do this to provide you 
and to remind you that anytime you hear God's word, you will respond. You're either going to shut your ears off or think about your day and what you're going to be doing this week or you're going to humbly receive the word and ask God, God, show me where I am self-centered in my love. Show me where I need to show love to others and to forget about myself because I can. I don't have to ultimately worry about my eternal destiny because Christ loves us and he died for us and he's repaired that relationship. So whatever I'm worried today, God will take care of it in his time. I can trust in that and I can forget myself and show love to other, others. If you will, let me pray with you before Kent comes. Father, help us be a church that shows your love to the world and each other. Help us not to forget this week of the greatest love that we, could, we have ever received is in Christ. Help us that that love will empower us to go and love one another. Help us to remember that if we say we love God, but do not take care of the needs of others, we are liars and the truth is not in us. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dustin. Uh, you know, as, as we were preparing to come up before Dustin uh, started the sermon, he and I just stopped on this ramp back here and we prayed together. And the prayer was very, very specific. Listen to me. That God would use this text and his message to, to speak to us. And so that's really all I want to ask you. Did the Lord just speak to you through his holy word and through this message? He did to me. He did very clearly to me. And in the middle of that sermon, God reminded me of an opportunity to love someone in a way where I've had a bit of an attitude, like, I'm not sure I want to do that. That person's kind of getting on my nerves. And then I was also reminded so clearly during that message, I must go vertical with God before I can ever go horizontal with people. And so what is the Lord saying to you? We want you to respond. We want you to know that we want to pray with you and we want to encourage you. We want to hear your heart. And so you look over here at this wall, there's some volunteers who would love to pray with you and encourage you. Maybe you've been convicted and you just need to respond to what God is doing, what God's saying to you. And so that's what we want to see happen. Let me invite you to stand with me. Let me also say this. Maybe you've heard this and you're now wrestling with the fact that I'm not 100% sure I know what the gospel is, but I need to know. You're thinking, I know God, yes, he sent his son Jesus and, and I know that he loves me. But man, we want to encourage you to run toward Jesus and the cross. He is our hope. He's our salvation. And so if, if there's a piece of you that's dialoguing with yourself about that, man, listen, we want to talk to you about that as well. We just want you to be obedient to the Lord and respond to him as he guides you. Let's sing this song together, and this is your time to respond. Whether you go to the wall and pray with someone, you might pray with a friend or a spouse right where you're sitting. This is just all about you being obedient. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. 
If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.